Hello and welcome to the Medico Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dr Jonas Hayes, I'm a foundation doctor. And my name is Emily Kelly and I'm a graduate entry medical student. Our podcast tackles tough medical topics and we welcome guests to talk about their work in the world of healthcare and beyond. So today we're welcoming Tash, who's a fourth year medical student and mental health advocate who's been featured in the Times magazine for her work on mental health. Tash, do you want to introduce yourself? Nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. You introduced me well. I'm, I'm in my intercalation year at King's. I do a bit of social media on the side now and seem to talk about mental health quite a bit. So a bit of social media is fairly modest. I think you've got a good following going on Instagram right now. Do you want to tell us a bit about the background of why you got into that? Sure, yeah. So I describe it as a bit of a mad idea during lockdown. Um, I think it was the end of April that I decided that I wanted to talk to some people and that was the only way to do that during lockdown was kind of online and I wanted to share my story about what I'd been through in the past year um, struggling from depression and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I think the main point of it was that I knew the stats about medical students suffering from mental health illnesses. I knew that they were very high and I knew that they, there must be somewhere other people suffering what I'd been through. But I didn't really have like a, a role model, as it were, in my head. I didn't, didn't see the face to the disease. So I kind of wanted to be that person for other people and to show them, to show that there was an actual person that had been through it and had got through it and was on the road to recovery. Um, so yeah and then it just sort of sparked from there and got different ideas of what I wanted to talk about and yeah I really really enjoy it I mean it's amazing that so many people find what I've got to say semi-interesting and people are just so supportive I'm just so surprised (laughs) to be honest. If you don't mind us talking a little bit now about kind of your experiences and things like that you said that you'd been having some issues with depression with generalized anxiety Um, if you don't mind sort of telling our sort of listeners a bit about that and a bit about what those those two things mean yeah absolutely um I'm always very happy to discuss <laughs> my what I've been through and everything um but yeah so uh I mean it's hard to pinpoint where a lot of mental health illnesses start but sort of over my second year of medicine my mood started to plummet um started to cry all the time for no apparent reason which was very frustrating and you know made me feel extremely guilty because I was living you know almost the perfect life from an outsider's point of view I was doing the degree I'd always wanted to do I was living in a nice flat in London I had great friends a great boyfriend and a supportive family literally I could go to Franco Manga for a pizza whenever I wanted to not so easy (laughs) now (laughs) so life was good but you know I was very very miserable um and then at the start of my third year I finally decided to seek help and I um went through the King's counseling service um which was great um but just not Uh, not enough for what I was going for basically so um, November of last year I went to the GP for the first time was diagnosed with moderate severe depression and generalized anxiety disorder so basically my symptoms were I was feeling incredibly sad um, I was absolutely exhausted I couldn't concentrate on anything (laughs) which made medical school even more difficult than it already is Um, anxiety wise I was just feeling extremely extremely um trying not to say the word anxious (laughs) extremely um nervous and apprehensive about everything in life you know worrying about 
parents dying for no apparent reason, um, worried about my boyfriend breaking up with me, worried about social situations, um, just putting so much pressure on myself. And ultimately, it just made me retreat and um, hide away from real life, which is so different to my personality. I'm, I'm very outgoing and love talking to everybody, but I just lost all of that. Um, just wanted to hide under my duvet the whole time. And so, yeah, I started CBT. Um, I thought that was going to fix me, as it were, uh, but I was still feeling rather miserable. So uh, antidepressants were suggested and I uh, basically ran out of the GP appointment when that word was was mentioned <laughs> in absolute horror. And um, yeah, I just I think at that moment in time, I believed every single stereotype and stigma surrounding antidepressants that, you know, you would become this loopy person with no emotions um that you know you would be weak that you would become addicted to them just all these horrible stigmas that just aren't true whatsoever and I had to really battle with those internal internalized stigmas and you know something sort of clicked in my brain and said look I'm going to become a doctor and I'm going to work with loads of patients who are you know feeling the same as me and I know that antidepressants are, are one of the the treatment lines and I'm going to be suggesting this to my patients so how can I do that if you know I myself when I was experiencing what they are said no so yeah I decided to to start antidepressants and you know it was it's the best thing that I've ever done you know as, along with a load of other things like CBT like I mentioned um like exercising a whole bunch of other th other things you know um they saved my life um and it was really, really difficult because, as I mentioned, you know, we started our psychiatry placement and I was seeing patients with doctors, obviously, um, like six hours before yeah. my own GP appointment. And I was asking them the same questions that I was going to be asked later on in that day. And it, that was really, really, really difficult for me. To Sounds quite surreal, say actually. The least. Yeah. It was really, really challenging. And I, you know, so many times I just wanted to say me too. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I was putting on this sort of blank face and uh, I remember explicitly one patient um, coming in with their parents and just their parents being obviously so emotional and so um, upset. And, you know, this patient had depression. I just thought, oh, my word, this is what I'm putting my own parents through. Um, so challenging, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, I, I was so lucky with the support I received. And in January of this year, I started to um I started to get suicidal thoughts and that was you know the worst worst part of my life um but and I went to see well I got support from an amazing charity called The Listening Place who are based in London and basically they run a completely voluntary service where they um uh volunteers will talk to people who are experiencing suicidal thoughts and and just help them sort of come to terms with them and and almost normalize them I, I find it weird um saying normalize normalize with a lot of mental health a lot of parts of mental health illness because I never want people to become almost complacent and just go oh it's just depression <laughs> just those suicidal thoughts again yeah, that, that's but, all right but also you know not making them this sort of abstract thing which means you need to be rushed off in an ambulance and, and put behind bars and locked up kind of thing um <laughs> so yeah that that really helps me and I think all throughout my my struggle with mental health illness I've always been very honest and open to my friends and family but I definitely found talking about um 
you know talking about not wanting to be around anymore extremely extremely difficult um so yeah that that really helped me so as I say it wasn't just the antidepressants but but they definitely definitely helped me to do all the other things that helped me if that makes sense so they helped al- allowed me. you to get into yeah, doing exactly. the, the other they things. helped me get out of bed so that I could go and see um the amazing lady at that charity that's how I like describe it it sounds like you have had some really good feedback from sharing that story on social media. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I describe it as quite shocking at times, you know, the amount of people that say sort of me too in response to some of the things that I share, um, but also very heartwarming that people feel able to share that with me after I've been open. Um, uh, yeah, and just people thanking me really, which I, I still find very bizarre and, and thanking me for sharing um what I do and it you know the amount of messages I receive saying it makes people feel less alone is is all I could ever hope for really um I find that amazing that something as simple as Instagram which we hear so much bad feedback about and you know of course there are lots of downsides to it but something that some like Instagram can be used in such a positive way I just find really uplifting so you said you've got a lot of really good feedback. And as you said, lots of people who are really pleased that you're sharing that and sharing your story with them. Have you got any negative feedback from people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned the the Times interview in my, in my little um, introduction. Yeah. Uh, and that definitely brought forward some negative um, comments from sort of the the trolls <laughs> the <laughs> trolls of the of the internet um and you know i've reflected on god i sound like such a medical student reflecting um but i've i've thought about those sort of negative comments quite a lot and i've actually managed to turn it into something positive i think you know before the whole instagram world i was definitely a massive people pleaser um and wasn't very good at taking negativity I saw it as definitely you know it was me failing as such um and I think that's quite an important lesson as a future doctor to learn that not every patient is gonna like me despite hopefully my best intentions to be no you can't you can't please everyone unfortunately (laughs) and and what were kind of the criticisms that people were leveling at you then so people sort of suggesting that medical students should be focusing on their studies, they shouldn't have time to, um, well, they shouldn't be wasting their time on social media, uh, that, you know, we were only looking for fame, as it were, and that we were too obsessed with our looks and these sort of things. And just a general consensus that medical students and doctors, because there was a doctor in that feature as well, um, should be only focusing on their work and their studies and they shouldn't be doing anything outside of that which I just think is completely crazy and and not the way to create happy and healthy doctors. So that's certainly an interesting (laughs) perspective probably not Mm. one we'd say we we support Mm. Um, (laughs) as you know we we do lots of stuff outside of uh, outside of our day jobs and outside of just um, studying medicine and practicing. If you're sharing very personal stories about your struggles with mental health Um, have you had people or have you had any reservations about doing that about being very open about those very personal experiences absolutely I think something that's on the forefront of every medical student's mind is is the GMC the general medical council Um, I think there's a, a sort of 
stereotype that by sharing or declaring you have a mental health illness you're going to be struck off by the GMC and they're going to tell you you can you know you could never make a fit fit to practice doctor which is completely not true um but that did worry me initially um and then people say you know what about patients your future patients coming across what you're posting um and I say that's great that's what I want obviously you know being professional it's not our place in a healthcare setting to share our sort of personal stories you know if somebody comes to me and my GP practice and is struggling with depression it's probably not appropriate for me to say oh I've suffered too but I hope that indirectly patients will see whether they're my patients or not patients will see that medical students and doctors do suffer from these same illnesses whether that be mental or physical illnesses too and I think that I just think that that will create a better relationship all round for like the patient uh, doctor relationship if patients understand that actually these doctors know the science and the you know the clinical signs and treatment plan and everything but actually they they may have that personal insight too which is completely different from any nice guidelines you c- you can read as it were and that's really nice to be able to offer that perspective then to your patients as well, to have that sort of personal insight. The BMA did some research into mental health. Um, and certainly in October 2019, they published a document highlighting some of the issues that feed into mental health problems within medicine. Do you have any impressions of, of what you think uh, makes it more likely that you are to suffer with mental health problems if you're a doctor or a medical student or something like that? Definitely. It's, it's really interesting and something that I've spoken to quite a few people about from, you know, medical students to, to junior doctors to consultants. Um, and talking to other people has definitely changed my opinions on it as well. Uh, there's, you know, the common debate whether is it, you know, intrinsically within us that our, our risk to developing mental health illnesses is higher because of, you know, we're, we're all inherently perfectionists or, you know, is it the job? Obviously, that enormously stressful nature of the job and you know what doctors are dealing with on a day-to-day basis is it no wonder that they're struggling with their mood or with anxiety or with other other illnesses um I think it's a balance to be honest I mean uh, uh, Adam Kay's book highlighted it quite nicely about you know medical students have to be in the top sports teams they have to be grade eight at the violin they have to be have a stars galore you know and they have to be basically these oh sorry they have to be basically these these perfect students um so you you know you're already creating a bubble of highly achieving students um and then you're putting them all in a, a big bubble together and making them even more competitive and yeah so <laughs> it's just a recipe for disaster basically and then you know six years later you throw them into the world of being a junior doctor which of course you know a lot, lot better than me um you know and I can only imagine how stressful and challenging that must be especially you know during recent times um so yeah I, I definitely think that the nature of the do- job plays a part as well um yeah and I, I think you're right in saying Obviously, we've got this very competitive atmosphere that comes out of the struggles of trying to get into medicine and then moving forward into the career in medicine and applying for different specialties, applying for different jobs. And where you go, where you end up in the country is determined by how well you've done. So it does make that very competitive atmosphere. 
And as you said, quite a self-selected bunch of people, you know, go on to study medicine and, and become doctors. Um, yes, okay, there are all these factors that make it a bit more likely for you to have mental health problems, but what can we actually do about it then? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think, you know, teaching not just medical students, but in schools about, you know, how we should look after our mental health. We get told so much about how we look after our physical health. You know, we should be eating five portions of fruit and veg a day. We should be drinking two liters of water a day. I mean, we can all, you know, regurgitate that basically in our sleep, but we're not told how we look after our mental health. <laughs> it just, it seems such an obvious thing to do now to me, but but why aren't we doing it? And there definitely is, you know, more of a focus on mental health, you know, even this year as opposed to five years ago, which is great. Um, but yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. And, you know, one thing that I always say, which I, I find mad is that, you know, last year was my third year of medicine and we had our first um, experience of a psychiatry placement. And, you know, you're chucking, you know, as young as 20 year olds in a situation where they're talking to patients, you know, who have tried to end their lives potentially, um, you know, and are going through some very distressing times. And, you know, whether you yourself are suffering from a mental health illness or not, that is extremely distressing and, you know, challenging to deal with. And the fact that we just expect medical students to be able to deal with that and go home and then the next day attend their lecture on haematology or something completely different it's just absurd to me you know there should be a lot more support for for every medical student no matter whether you know you're going through a specifically hard time or not um yeah that's my personal pet peeve really <laughs> okay and certainly that feeling of not being able to be prepared for being thrust in scenarios that can make you feel uncomfortable. And it often does feel like various stages of medical school placements. Um, and I mean, to be fair, that does carry on into practice. You know, you encounter really uncomfortable situations and it feels a bit like um, every day at medical school is a bit like exposure therapy. You're exposed <laughs> to another scenario in which you feel really uncomfortable and have to kind of deal with that day in, day out. Um, but I can I can certainly see what you mean by whether we could improve the kind of support that's there for people. So one thing I'd like to know is compared to back then, are you doing any better now? Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I'm so, so much better. I think, um, you know, I feel a bit guilty for saying it, but but lockdown was a bit of a, a blessing in disguise for me. Um, our, as you will know from Emily, our exams got um, cancelled, so we didn't have an OSCE anymore. So it sort of allowed me to to actually allow myself to switch off from medicine for a bit and work out what made me happy, um, which which was interesting, actually. Um, and, you know, when I started the Instagram account at the end of April, I was already feeling so, so much better. But I think I was a bit nervous for the next two months thinking, oh, gosh, is it just a blip? I'm almost waiting for my mood to plummet. But you but, you know, after what, six, seven months now, I'm, I'm feeling even more better. So I'm very confident in my recovery and I'm just I'm happier than than before. So, you know, by finding the things that I really, really enjoy, hmm. I'm just, yeah, feeling good. And that is probably <laughs> <is> always nice. <laughs> that is potentially one of the myths around sort of mental health problems, isn't it? That they are on the whole very treatable and that lots of people, lots and lots of people recover from them. I think the perception, as you probably are aware, that 
Um, when it comes to mental health problems, they people think that these are sort of intractable diseases that you know they're never going to be rid of and they're never going to be any better. But on the whole, as you've experienced, um, and you're sort of a mm-hmm. testament to that, that things can get much better, and um, with the yeah. treatments that are available, things things often do. Definitely. Um, but just to yeah to emphasise, the only way to get better is to to seek help and to talk to your GP initially. Um, I was quite lucky that I mean it seems weird to call it lucky but I had had an eating disorder previously um, and I'd made 100% recovery from that so that almost gave me the confidence that I could um, reach recovery from depression and anxiety even though it didn't feel like it at times I, I had that in the back of my mind which yeah. <laughs> so that uh, that again is then another sort of experience and in, in contrast to as you just said your sort of eating disorder issues was that very different to how you found kind of depression and, and anxiety as well or or were there similarities between the two yeah I mean there were definitely similarities um I'm sure you know um that sort of uh, anorexia nervosa is I think it's linked to anxiety um and depression um one thing that was different was that I sort of recovered from my eating disorder myself so I was referred to CAMS which is the child and adolescence mental health service for anyone that doesn't know I'm sure you know I'm not explaining it to you (laughs) um but uh yeah and the waiting list was so so long I, I can't remember explicitly but it was months and months and months um and so during that time um I just surrounded myself by my friends and family and and was able to actually um gain the weight that I needed to and and start to recover so I was quite lucky well I was very lucky in that sense um and I kind of had that opinion when I started to feel depressed and anxious I thought okay I can sort of recover from this myself I've done it before which was probably why I delayed seeking help for so long okay because I probably went a year before I first saw a GP um but yeah I definitely needed external help uh, and you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all um and if anything I think it's it's more brave um and makes people stronger when they actually do seek help do you think then it might have been easier you said you waited quite a while until you sought help um and until things sort of got quite bad actually um before you got help would it have been helpful if um you know, those people around you could have could have noticed or that, that you're having these problems and, and maybe pushed you to, to get some help yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, it's I mean, I think it was mentioned by my boyfriend um, to see a counsellor, um, but it was more more me and not wanting to really accept it and admit it. Okay. You know, like you sort of touched on earlier there is definitely even, you know, a, a stigma surrounding mental health in, in medical students. And, you know, I think I think even doctors sometimes, um, you know, surrounding that people don't recover and, and all that. And, you know, it kind of makes you crazy <laughs> um, and about antidepressants. And so I didn't really want to accept that I was I was depressed. I, you know, didn't really see myself as that kind of person. Um it is quite a classic stereotype, isn't it, that sort of medical professionals and people don't sort of want to accept that they themselves are, are unwell, are that they are ill. Um, and so I can see how that can sort of feed up from medical school and, and feed up from those younger years into into practice. And um, and as you described, you know, you don't want to accept that, 
maybe you do need to, to get this help to, to seek that support. If you wanted to give us any final message for the people listening to this about um, either your experience or, or how they can help other people um, with their mental health, what would you say? Well, number one, go and speak to your GP. You know, the first GP that you speak to might not be that helpful, They, you know, but, but go. And you can always speak to somebody else. And it's not just GPs who are there. You know, there are so many charities. You know, you've got Mind, you've got Samaritans, you've got Beat for Eating Disorders. Um, just seek help. Honestly, if I sort of regret one thing, is not seeking help soon enough you know as i say i could have been diagnosed um with like mild depression and i you know could have probably just had a a course of cbt um and that would have been would have been fine um and then second of all try not to worry too much about how you phrase things encouraging a loved one to seek help um the main thing you know you're gonna get things wrong and even if it upsets your loved one in the moment i guarantee that in half an hour or in a week's time or in a month's time when you know they do seek help and they're starting to feel better they'll be so so grateful um yeah that would be my main message and you know look after your own mental health and before it not go i don't want to say goes wrong but but just prioritize your mental health and do what makes you happy do what makes you happy (laughs) That's a very nice message to end on. Thank you very much. That's okay. Thank you for having me. That was Tash the Medic. You can find her on Instagram at Tash underscore the medic. And if you're looking for any resources to help with your own mental health, check out our website for links to the charities Mind, Beat for Eating Disorders, Shout and The Listening Place. You can find all our podcasts available at medicolifestyle.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from.